never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that knows whether you're Lucky the Leprechaun, dressed like the Riddler, or one of the Boondock Saints. We're all Irish today. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Um, my name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. Hey, man. What's up? How's it going? Well, it's St. Patrick's Day. I have my adult beverage with me. I don't normally drink drink when we're on the show. I usually just drink water to talk normally, but... Um, because of St. Patrick's Day, I had to make sure I had a glass of bourbon or something next to me and figured we'd do the show. <laughs> so you'll be talking abnormally today. No, I'm just ki- just kidding. Um, but yeah, definitely happy St. Patrick's Day. I did want to ask, how many of the Leprechaun movies have you watched today? <laughs> um, I watched part of Leprechaun in Space when I was on Really? My- well, yeah, because it was on when I was on my lunch break at work. <laughs> oh, awesome. I the actually sci- didn't think you were going to actually have watched any. So that's have an awesome. answer. No, uh, Sci-Fi ran a Leprechaun Marathon today. And, Makes sense. And uh, if uh, and what I've noticed is, is I usually end up watching the news when I'm at work and reading comics. And the problem is, is I can't handle cooking stuff on the news. Like, I absolutely can't handle it. It's not news. It shouldn't be on the news. Get it off the news. And for some, oh, re- okay. and for some reason, daytime television, somewhere in the middle of every news broadcast, they decide to do a cooking segment. And that's I when I like have that's to that's normal, right? For daytime, sure. But you're just like, <laughs> is this really informing the voters? Like, what the hell? Like, it just irritates the crap out of me. So See, that's, that's like a remnant of, like, the pre-internet world where, you know, you're – evening or daytime news was kind of your one-stop shop for not only the relevant events but maybe you want to pick up a recipe or two you know (laughs) maybe you want to some new tidbits on which movies to see over the weekend or something like that and sure stuff like that's probably irrelevant at this point but uh yeah it's kind of interesting i haven't watched the news like that in years um you know most of my news i just kept from like online and stuff but yeah it's kind of something i forgot about but yeah Super interesting. I didn't know they still had like cooking segments it's so <laughs> in the middle of TV so, news like that. So <laughs> dumb. And I just I don't get it. Um, no. And in terms of watching the news, I wake up every morning and I turn the news on while I'm getting ready for work, specifically because I want to watch specifically because I want to watch the weather. Right. Um, then I'll flip the news on sometimes like and I'll flip it on during the day while I'm at work because stuff that goes on in the news affects my job sometimes. So I'll have it on sometimes when I'm like if I'm like working near a TV, I'll flip it on for background noise. Or if I'm on my lunch break, I might flip it on if I'm just reading comics on my phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but when it comes down to it, man, like I 
there's so much weird stuff in the world right now. So um, anyway, let's talk. Absolutely. About, let's talk about fun <laughs> stuff. <laughs> You're like, so uh, shit is weird. But anyways, back. Yeah, to Yeah, I know. Like, look, look, in all seriousness, it's horrible what's happening over with the Russia, Ukraine situation. And um, I just don't even know where to start with some of that stuff. But we're not here to talk about that. And I'm honestly not qualified to talk about that. So let's talk about fun stuff. Right. Yeah, well, I think um, escapism is good if, uh, you know, if taken in healthy increments and, you know, as long as you're not living in your own world, like it's good to escape things into this fun and nerdy pop culture stuff that we love. So uh, definitely. Um, should I dive into my watching and reading for this week? Sure. OK, cool. So. I feel like I've had a super busy week, but I actually made time to watch a couple uh, different movies that I wanted to mention. Okay. Uh, the first one I can keep super short because it's one of those movies that if I it's literally if I say anything, I'm going to spoil it. But okay. um, I watched this new movie on Hulu called Fresh, which is starring um, Sebastian Stan. Yeah, and it's so. a. Uh, you're familiar with this. I'm familiar with it in the sense that I've been told several times this week to watch it. Uh, <laughs> nice. Several times this week to watch it. I have not had a chance to sit down and watch it um, just because I've been busy and I watch some other stuff. But, um, yes, it is very quickly moving to the top of my uh, docket. So go ahead. Well, so what I can say is, like I said, I can't say much because this you could so easily spoil this. But this is a thriller. And uh, it's pretty intense, and it's one of those. <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to say, this is a thriller. That's it. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. It's one of those things where you're not going to see where it goes. And uh, I watched the trailer for this movie before watching it, and I thought I knew where the movie was headed, and I kind of did. But then the movie takes some crazy crazy turns and uh it's pretty it's just pretty intense but it's it goes it gets very dark it's very demented in certain ways but it's it's really entertaining and uh my one big takeaway that i can share with everybody before they've seen it is sebastian stan i've come to realize is just a really good actor like i just watched him in um the show pam and tommy and then i watched him in this movie and we all know him as you know from his work in the mcu and stuff but the thing is, I really don't know much about Sebastian Stan's personality in real life. And I think anytime he plays a role, he kind of he's really believable in that role. Like you don't see his own personality shine through. You kind of just right. see the character he's trying to portray. And uh, I don't know. I just realized after watching this movie, I was like, I have no idea who Sebastian Stan is as a person. And I actually love that because it's not like most other big Hollywood stars. Like most of the time I'm familiar with someone's personality and I can kind of see the actor in the role as, a, as opposed to the character in the role, if that makes sense. And Sebastian Stan, I just co have come to realize like he's just a really good character actor and he's completely believable in at least everything I've seen him in. So yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I didn't know if you had any comments on Sebastian Stan. I feel like um, I might've cut you off a bit ago. No, you're fine. I agree. He's a phenomenal actor. Um, and I kind of noticed that myself just, um, even take out the fact, like I haven't seen Pam and Tommy. I've only seen like the clips they've shown on television and stuff. Um, yeah. but you can see it like in like just the transformation from Bucky Barnes to the winter soldier and that whole right. arc, um yeah anyway absolutely um 
so yeah, moving, like I said, I didn't want to say too much about Fresh. Um, another movie that I watched that I think is awesome and everybody should check out is uh, the movie The Atom Project on Netflix. Have you had a chance to see this yet, Drew? This is one that I was going to try and get done before tonight, but I didn't. Okay, uh, so, so anyway, th- this is essentially the new um, Netflix uh, science fiction movie starring Ryan Reynolds, and it uh, focuses mostly on time travel, and yep. uh, it's just a blast. Like, this is a really fun, just really good movie. Like, it's one of those movies that I couldn't see anybody watching and not liking, you know? Like, I think it's just a solid, really fun time all around. Um, there's a lot of cool future tech in it. There's some surprisingly just really awesome fight scenes. Like I didn't go into this movie expecting the action scenes to kind of blow my mind, but there was some really, really good, like just really fun, uh, fight scene choreography throughout this whole movie. Um, also the, every time travel movie has its own sort of lore and how the time travel works. And, you know, When you travel back in time, are you creating a new time stream or are you part of the original time stream? And there's all these questions that come into effect, you know, when you compare uh, Bill and Ted's, you know, the Bill and Ted universe with Back to the Future with, you know, time caps with whatever else. Everything has different lore. And I think the way the time travel works in this movie, especially as when you look at like timelines and how does it affect timelines it's actually a really interesting conceptually it's like kind of a really interesting way that the time travel works um and it's kind of something that's just touched on in dialogue but it's it kind of was pretty interesting overall but i don't know drew i'm kind of really looking forward to you watching this one because i just thought it was a good you know this movie watching this movie was such a good time and it's kind of like again i don't want to say too much but I can really just say, I mean, most of what I said is a vague enough review that it's just like, go check this movie out. Like this movie I thought was really great. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, No, that was literally, um, this came down to timing and how much stuff could I watch before the episode and I couldn't squeeze that one in. (laughs) You just had to, uh, you were prioritizing those uh, daytime news recipes. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) segments. let me tell you. Um, um anything else oh, yeah yes yes the one other movie that i got a chance to watch was uh scream actually the oh, new scream yeah. movie tell me about it so yes this is uh streaming on paramount plus right now which, which drew i know we have a group text where we were talking about paramount plus earlier this week um apparently i do have a subscription to paramount plus i guess my wife signed up for it so we watched the new scream movie on that this movie is the best way i can put this is if you like the other entries of scream you're gonna love this movie if you (laughs) don't like those movies or you haven't seen scream at all i still think you're gonna enjoy it a lot because this was a solid really fun horror movie but Within the sort of Scream mindset, it really, it does all the cool meta Scream stuff so okay. well. Um, on the podcast, when you're talking was, about... what I was hoping for, but anyway. Absolutely. And and it does it in a way where they're looking at, they're looking, because Scream is always like, there's always the meta dialogue, you know, where everybody's talking about horror movies and being within a horror movie. Um while they are themselves in a horror movie. And they really play that up 
And they do it in a way where they talk about horror movies in this day and age, like in this time right now and how uh, elevated horror, like, you know, movies like Hereditary and The Witch and uh, The Babadook and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They talk about how elevated horror like that is kind of has the spotlight right now and the Scream franchise isn't ne doesn't necessarily fit, fit into that, but they kind of talk about that in a meta way, which was really awesome. Um, on the podcast, before this movie came out, we were talking about how, you know, do we like this title? Don't we like this title? And uh, I remember talking about maybe the title is a weird meta joke about the fact that, you know, when they reboot um, horror franchises or do like sort of a reboot sequel situation, they tend to, to like, reuse the same movie title as the first one, you know? We're talking about, like, movies like Halloween, like, <laughs> the second or third reboot that still has the same name, or, you know, yeah. Final Destination. It's the fifth one in the series, but it has the first one's title. And uh, this movie definitely is doing that because it is addressed in dialogue, and it's really funny to know that we were kind of right on the podcast that... Yes, the name Scream is a total meta joke, and they directly address it in the movie, and it was just awesome. Um, I don't want to say too much else, because I really don't want to give anything away. This movie was really great, though, and if you love Scream, you definitely need to check it out. The last thing I'll say is the kills in this movie were probably some of the best I've seen in the Scream franchise. Like, there was a lot of jump scares and they really delivered um, something about the new killer in this movie. Um, his kills were very, um, there was an urgency to them where it's one of those things where typically you would expect like a moment of hesitation before the killer, like kills somebody, you know, especially looking at the previous screen movies. And in this movie, there's a lot of times where, the kills just happen out of the blue and really take you by surprise. And there's just this super urgency to them that was really refreshing to watch. Um, so I think that's one of the things I thought was really refreshing is just this movie delivered in the scares department, as well as just the awesome meta scream coolness that you have come to love and expect from this franchise. You know what I mean? Sure. No, I hear you. And uh, that honestly does it for me. I don't know if you have any thoughts or co comments on Scream, but uh, I can't wait for you to see this one, Drew. This was a really fun movie. Well, I feel like you watched all the cooler stuff than I did this week. Um, <laughs> okay. Because I've been dying to see Scream. Adam Project, I really want to jump on. Fresh, I've been told several times this week that I need to watch. You know what I mean? So I feel like you had a better <laughs> watching list. Um, but I will get there, I promise. Um <laughs> Is it my turn to jump in here? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So first and foremost, I have you turned on your Disney Plus since yesterday? I did actually before the podcast today. So okay, I think so you, I know where you're going with this. Okay. So <laughs> um, it is St. Patrick's Day. The time of this recording is uh, March 17th. March 16th, um, St. Patrick's Day. Um, it's very important to note that Disney Plus decided to um, release some cool stuff for us. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so they released some really, really cool stuff. And before I go any farther, it's also important to note that March uh, 16th, 2022 is a very special date. 
Um, and this is this is one of those weird things that I find interesting. It's the third day of the third week of the third month of the third year of the third decade of the third millennia. Isn't that messed up? <laughs> huh? Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> I'm trying to, like, wrap my head around that right now. And like, for some reason, it doesn't sound right. <laughs> But I'll well, take your word for it. <laughs> anyway, I, I think that stuff's really kind of interesting and funny. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so Disney Plus, if you logged into Disney Plus on March 16th or today and suddenly went, oh, my goodness, why do I have to log in again? It's because Disney Plus dropped all the Netflix Marvel shows, which means they now have rated our content on Disney Plus, which means going mm-hmm. forward, I have a feeling Deadpool is going to be dropping soon. That opens the door for Deadpool 3 and other rated R properties that will end up on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. This is a kind of a cool thing, in my opinion. Uh, but that means you have to log in, choose full content for your master account so you have access to it, and then decide all your other accounts what can access and what cannot. So, um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I noticed having to log in today, and I was just kind of like, I just wanted to watch Age of Ultron. I didn't think it was going to take this much <laughs> effort to log in but um well, i also wanted to say really quick i think you're right about deadpool because uh those movies are on hulu right now so they're probably moving to disney plus very soon yeah and it also opens the door for some of the more crazier marvel stuff like the venom movies when they finally get on that side of the coin oh right on you know what i mean like mm-hmm. when you look at that um the cool thing is uh, ign.com did a very ex extensive comparison between the Netflix shows and what appeared on Disney plus and Disney plus did not censor any of it. Um, oh, nice. So it is, they did an extensive like comparison. All of it is exactly how it originally appeared. Nothing got cut. And I didn't even think Disney would have done something like that. But then I think to myself, Oh, someone was like, Oh, I wonder if Disney will censor some stuff. Apparently they didn't. And that's awesome. Um, nice. So anyway, getting back to the watching and reading category, um, I watched on Disney Plus Turning Red. Have you? I oh, how was that? Well, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. This is a movie about a teenage girl going through puberty and the strained <laughs> relationship with her mom as she's trying to be her own person. And her mom is very protective and wants her to do things the way her mom wants her to do things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the problem is, is I do not idealize with a 13 year old girl. Um, And right off the bat, I did not like the main character at all. Um, The main character grew on me a little bit. And overall, I didn't think the story was that great. There's some funny moments. There's some good one liners. But overall, I was like, meh. Again, I am not the target audience for this movie. (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of negativity towards this movie. Certain groups are are saying a lot of negative things about the movie, about how they don't think Pixar should be making a movie about a girl getting her period. Um, Essentially, that's what the movie's about, but not really at the same time, because the girl, like, there's there's some period jokes in there early on in the film. And she does turn into a red panda when she gets hormoned out. And you're just like, okay, I see the symbolism. You know what I mean? At the same time, these people are whining and moaning about how these the characters are anti-Christian. 
I didn't see any anti-Christian stuff in the movie. And I also recognize the fact that they are Chinese and from a different culture. So I feel like that complaints falls flat immediately. I don't know. Like there's a lot of negative to the movie and like circling around it. And I don't really think it's as negative as people say, and they need to just relax. That's my personal. <laughs> um, overall, overall, the movie's not bad. It's like, there's some fun, like I said, there's some fun moments and there's some kind of like little bits that you're just like, okay, cool. Um, but I don't feel, I feel like Pixar in my, in a weird way has kind of jumped the shark in the realm of the Disney animated movies are coming out are like there was a time that Pixar was like the gold standard of animation. And I feel yeah. like Disney animation is taking that wing back away from Pixar a little bit. And Pixar is really focusing on these like such it's like, how is Pixar going to make me cry this time kind of thing? And I feel like I'm kind of numb to it, you know, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, so Turning Red, check it out if you want. Um, <laughs> the other <laughs> the other movie I watched this week is a movie called This Is Where I Leave You. Um, OK. This, this is, uh, all right, Jason Bateman, Corey Stoll, Tina Fey, Katherine Hahn, uh, Dax Shepard, um, Timothy Oliphant. Um, who else is in this movie? Rose Burns in this movie. Um, <laughs> Jane Fonda. Like, it's a huge cast. It's awesome. Um, but it's literally about a guy who's going through a divorce and his dad passes away. And he's got to go home to the funeral where no one knows, like, he hasn't told anyone about the divorce yet. So he has to go home. Oh, Adam Driver's in the movie, too. He has to go home and um, face the family, deal with the funeral, face the family about the the divorce, and then deal with all the dysfunction. So it's literally you take all these really great comedic actors and you put them in a dysfunctional family situation, and but it's a serious situation, and comedy ensues. So it's like this dark comedy with like this heartfelt message about being together as a family and stuff. It's really it's really heartwarming and charming and touching. And it's really funny at the same time. Um, nice. While you deal with all the dysfunction of everything going on and you're just like, wow, OK. And it's it's really funny. And you're just like, yeah, that's it's these real human moments. And they're funny because at some point in your life, you probably were there and whatnot. It was I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to watch. Nice. Uh, so I highly recommend it if you're kind of looking for like something in that realm of things. Um, the other thing that I watched this week was I finally got on the Peacemaker bandwagon. Oh, um, cool. and I started and I got it's eight episodes. I got through the first four episodes. Um, let me just say this. Have you watched the show? I don't remember. if you said I haven't, I haven't started okay. it yet. Let me say this. Um, Peacemaker is if you watched the suicide squad, this is clearly an extension of the Suicide Squad. James Gunn, <laughs> written and directed, here you go, more James Gunn, the Suicide Squad, let's go. And basically, like, yeah. Peacemaker, spoiler alert, Peacemaker survived. You see in the bonus scene, he's in the hospital, like, on life support. The show picks up with him getting out of the hospital and then getting picked up by a some of the team members from Amanda Waller's team that are putting... Okay peacemaker back into the fold because they need to go on a they have a contract so okay. it's literally like an extension of the suicide squad yeah so if you liked the suicide squad you already know you're what you're getting into it's 
funny and violent and gory and it's everything you want it to be. It's absolutely hilarious. I don't need to talk this show up. If you liked what they did with the Suicide Squad, you're going to love this. Awesome. The one thing I will say, the opening sequence to this show is one of the amazing, most amazing opening sequences wow. ever. <laughs> um, the first time you see it, you're going to go, what is this? And you're going to watch it like not understanding like a train wreck. Like I can't look away. Like I don't know what I'm watching. And then mm. every every episode that follows, you're like, this is amazing. I absolutely love this part of the show. This is like the coolest part of the show. Um, <laughs> what is the that's song that's playing right now? And you pull up the Shazam app and you start Shazamming the song. And you're like, oh, it's this song. OK, then, like, you know, like, nice. It's absolutely amazing. Um, you have to watch you have to watch the show literally just for that opening sequence because you're going to be like, what is this? <laughs> well, now I want to because, I mean, we did a whole list about our favorite TV show theme songs and I'm suck. I'm a sucker for a good one. And in well, the best not, case scenario, it's not, just, it's not just the theme song. It's the, the sequence the sequence that goes with it. <laughs> I think it all, yeah, I think it all works together, but I just really love, like I said this before, but I love when you have a really good opening sequence that is kind of a buffer for you to get into the mindset of the show, you know, like I just finished doing the dishes and I need that sort of, uh, TV show intro buffer to get me into the mood to watch this, uh, you know, crazy adventure I'm about to go on. So that sounds awesome. I I've heard great things about the show, so I really want to jump in. I just haven't found the time for whatever reason, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so good. I can't wait to watch more. Anyway, the other thing that I watched, uh, you and I both watched it is the trailer for the movie, the bubble. Yes. Um, what, <laughs> Okay, so this movie is the, it's the new Judd Apatow movie, which is awesome. I can't tell you how, like, when I saw the trailer and then I saw, you know, from the mind of Judd Apatow, I was like, man, we haven't had a good Judd Apatow movie in a while. So that made me excited to see. Um, but it's essentially a movie about a group of people making a movie during <laughs> what appears to be the pandemic. So only X amount of studios were open, still shooting. And uh, there are, like, the constant, like, tests and stuff, but they're living in... I guess you could say, quote, unquote, a bubble to keep themselves away from the outside world so they can work on the film. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it also looks like there's a conspiracy there about how they're being kept against their will or whatever, too. Like, I'm not 100 percent sure what's going on. It seems like there's some underlying okay. things going on there. Um, but the movie looks hilarious. What did you think of the trailer? Um, yes, I think it's hilarious. I think. um the movie that the team is uh, working on is this crazy, um, I can't remember what it's called, like cliff dragons or something. It's like this crazy creature feature about like, like this creature feature adventure film about these people who are encountering, <laughs> encountering like dragons as they're, as they're trying to climb a mountain. And it's like, <laughs> it looks like this big, goofy special effects sort of ramp, but in a way, I kind of just want to see all the cool, weird dragon action, <laughs> right. you know, spliced with the behind the scenes stuff. Like, it looks super entertaining in that regard. Right. And uh, it's called the movie, the movie they're making a movie called Cliff Beasts 6. <laughs> Cliff Beasts, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but since they are um, uh, uh, since they're working on a. Uh, on that movie and uh, it, there's a lot of green screen work and stuff that you kind of get a weird behind the scenes look into. I'm kind of curious how accurate some of this stuff is. And this is a movie that I think 
this movie's already meta because it's a movie about making a movie, but I'm really curious about the behind the scenes featurettes for this one. And are they going to talk about like, this is actually what it is like to work on a green screen film and stuff like that. Um, I'm also curious about the timeline of this movie. Like, is this a movie about being in a bubble bubble, making a movie during COVID, but that's actually what it is. You know what I mean? Right. I have a, (laughs) I have a feeling it is that, um, and the movie would have served better if it came out during the pandemic, (laughs) but you know, to see it afterwards is totally fine. You know what I mean? Um, and they, they do say in the trailer, um, they mention influenza specifically when one of the characters gets sick. Um, (laughs) so, um, I'm just like, well, that probably allowed using influenza is probably a better one to go with because, um, it's, it's just, it's not as close to home, if you will. Yeah. Well, there is an aspect of I I don't know what movie it was, but there's something that came out during um, like the heart of uh, the covid pandemic where it was it was it was something where there's a movie where, where people were wearing masks and social distancing and stuff. And there was like a big backlash against it because people just didn't want to be watching that in their entertaining and yeah. their entertainment like they want to have their escapism intact without covid rearing its ugly head if you will so maybe that is why the movie didn't come out until now but um no this just looks super entertaining like it looks hilarious it's judd apatow so i think you kind of know it's going to just be a really good comedy but i think it's also going to be just interesting to see how the movie plays out and to really see if they release any behind the scenes aspects of this film because i think that's going to be really interesting as well yeah, no, I agree. The movie just looks great. I, it comes out on April 1st, which is awesome because it's April Fool's Day, so they're going to release a really cool movie <laughs> like that. Right um, on. <laughs> anyway, I can't wait to sit down and watch it because I will be officially on vacation at that point. So it'll be like, all right, I'm on vacation. What are we going to do? Sit down and watch? Oh, we're going to watch The Bubble. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, speaking of movies coming out, I do have my Morbius ticket. I cannot wait to see this movie. Um, so I see it the Sunday, the weekend it comes out. So... Yeah, that's uh, awesome. How soon does it come out? Like a couple of weeks at this point? Comes out the weekend of it comes out April 1st. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I'm pumped. I don't have my ticket yet, obviously, but I'll be there. That's great. Yeah. yeah, it comes out April 1st. I'm seeing it on Sunday the 3rd. So, yeah, um, I'm excited. Um, <laughs> well, you uh, know, that's the third day of the fourth month. Of the, no, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, are you ready to talk about some news? Because we got a bunch. Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Here you go, man. Top story of the night. Marvel MCU mega producer Kevin Feige says that Batman and Robin is the most important comic book movie ever made. Okay. And your pause, I, you're probably like, wait, <laughs> what just happened? I'm just uh, waiting for context, to, to be honest. Speaking Speaking with the L.A. Times, Kevin Feige said Batman and Robin may be the most important comic book movie ever made. It's so bad that it demanded a new way of doing things. It created the opportunity to do the X-Men and Spider-Man adaptations that respected the source material and adaptions that were not campy. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I know that you defend Batman and Robin because of the (laughs) Batman 66 tie in. And that's essentially what they were trying to do as a modern day Batman 66. And I totally get that. And I kind of agree with you. And it makes me want to I haven't done it, but it makes me want to rewatch the movie so I can look at it through that lens. 
But after yeah. hearing this quote, I was like, wow. It's that idea of Batman and Robin killed the comic book genre in terms of films, but it made all these filmmakers go, hold on a second. This is what happens when you're not doing it the way you're supposed to be doing it. What if you did it the way you should be doing it? And we, and that's when we get Blade, X-Men, Spider-Man, and then it spawns into what we get now. Yeah. You know? um, so I just thought that was a really cool quote. Had to bring that up just because it, you know, he, he yes, and he, that's praises the movie, trashes it, but he praises the movie again, kind of double time in the comments there. So, <laughs> well, I think when I heard the quote, that's kind of where I was expecting this to be going, but uh, no, it's definitely undeniable. Like that movie didn't do super well critically. And I think it did make the industry approach superhero movies completely differently. You know, when you look into um, like you said, blade or like, especially um, X-Men, I feel like, is a huge benchmark of just, like, how seriously you can take this stuff. Um, I kind of, just a weird tidbit, I think Batman and Robin came out, I want to say 1997, I might be off, but I've heard that... 97 the year, Yeah, and I've heard that the year that it came out is known as, like, one of the worst years for uh, superhero movies, because... We also got amazing gems such as uh, Steel, the you know, Steel yeah. starring Shaq. And uh, the other one, which I love, of course, and Drew, I think you're a fan of this movie as well, but Spawn came out the same year. Oh, yeah. And uh, Spawn, like I said, I love the movie, but I think critically it didn't do super well as, you know, as I well. Know. So I just don't know if Spawn holds up. Um, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> hold up, but in all the right ways. <laughs> yeah, right. Um in the realm of superhero movies, there's a lot of negativity surrounding them. Like uh, Martin Scorsese has said several times that he thinks they're crap movies and he doesn't understand why people are spending the money on them. And then you have um, uh, Ridley Scott, who got really mad at the millennial generation for like playing with their phones instead of going to see movies and, and complained about the superhero movies again, because that's what's drawing box office dollars. So the movie, the last duel did not perform as well as they were hoping. Um, it's really interesting because there's some negativity surrounding that, but Kevin Smith on one of his most recent podcasts, he's got so many of them. Um, so I don't want to It's just on one of the most recent podcasts, he was talking about how superhero movies are saving Hollywood. Not only do they save us in the realm of comic books or like the superhero coming to save the day when you're in distress and that kind of thing, but they're saving Hollywood because they're keeping the theaters alive. Yes, that's what people are going to the theater to see right now, but they're keeping theaters alive um, because they're drawing people to the theater. They're bringing in the big dollars and they're keeping those franchises open because if those close, it's going to be just streaming for theaters. Um, yeah, that's a really good point to, to be asked. To add to that, Jared Leto. Um, believes Marvel movies saved movie theaters. He said, and I quote, if it wasn't for Marvel films, I don't even know if theaters would exist anymore. It doesn't seem like there's room for anyone else. And that starts, uh, and that makes, starts to become a little heartbreaking. I also have gratitude for these movies because they're keeping cinema alive. Um, and then just to add to that quote, <laughs> um, there's a, there was a lot of this over the um, week. Uh, Nicholas Cage uh, loves comic book movies and doesn't understand the negativity. Um, he says, I've always admired the realm of comic books, and I always thought story the stories were really colorful and entertaining and, frankly, kind of wholesome in a really positive way. I don't know what the umbrage is with people that want to knock them. I certainly think they're a great value and that they're bringing happiness to people. You know what? So, look, at the end of the day, Kevin Smith is right. 
superhero movies are saving Hollywood just the way they save everybody else. Um, yes. So absolutely. And that was this week's installment of six degrees from Kevin Feige. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sure. Um, (laughs) All right. In the realm of people wanting to make stuff, uh, Sam Raimi said he wants to make a new bet. He wants to make a Batman movie. Of course. Uh, (laughs) Now, I don't know if Sam Raimi's going to, but in the world of after the Batman released, we all know how that the response has been. Uh, Sam Raimi says, I've always loved Batman. If I ever saw the bat signal up in the air, I'd come running. If I heard that deep, uh, gurgling laugh of the shadow coming from the darkness, I would also be so tentatively, uh, I would also tentatively step outside. Um, Sam Raimi directing Batman. I say, bring it. Why not? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Cause knowing, um, his approach to the Spider-Man movies and, uh, how he's so in, he was so influenced by the classic, like, really original Spider-Man comics. And I'm kind of assuming it's the same with uh, Batman. I think it'd be really cool to see what his take on Batman would be. Right. You know, (laughs) Uh, well, what's interesting is the Batman, uh, the Matt Reeves film has made me look at comic book movies in a whole new world. Having the self-connected Marvel MCU is awesome. And having everything linked together and linked together and linked together is awesome. And I've, but I've said this before on our show. When you read a comic book, let's say I'm reading uh, Jeff Loeb's Hush. Jeff Loeb wrote it. Jim Lee did the art. Well, when you finish the story arc, this awesome story arc called Hush, if you continue reading Batman, the next story is called uh, Broken City, I believe. It's the next arc that follows Hush. It's written by Brian Azzarello, and um, I don't remember who the uh, artist is on that. But it's a completely different writer and it's a completely different artist and everything looks and feels just a little different, even though it's familiar. The Batman made me look in the light of, look, if Sam Raimi wants to make a Batman movie, bring it. I'd love to see it because I would love to see his take on it. This person wants to make a Spider-Man movie, bring it. I want to see the take on it. It's really nice to have the self-contained, continuous universe that Marvel's doing. But it's also really cool just to see a different take. And having the different actors play Batman, I don't think I think we're like well beyond the who's your favorite Batman discussion. I really, really do. Who, what's your favorite Batman? Because the movies are pumping out are so good. It's really hard to tell which one I like the best. It really is. Um, so that's just my personal opinion. But um, yeah, yeah, it's hard to uh, even know where to add onto that, but I think I've kind of shared similar sentiment sentiments in the past that like at this point, like we've had this awesome Marvel shared universe, like so prevalently through the last, you know, decade or more. And it's kind of, um, I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting to see these movies that just really stand on their own because there's so much, uh, creative freedom that the writer and the director and the creative teams behind these movies have. And it's kind of just cool to see where do they go. And it comes to a, you know, you come to this level where you're like, sure, why not have a completely different Joker in this movie? Because I want to see where they go with this, you know, and thinking about going back to the comic books and going back to comic book shops, there's times where you can go into a comic and you might buy three different, let's say Batman comics, for example. And uh, sometimes they're running at the same time. And sometimes you're getting three different 
universes essentially three different versions of that character and you go home and you read them and you're like that was sweet i can't wait till next month when i can read the next three comics in each of these uh series that i just bought and it's kind of weird like as much as i've kind of been against movies branching out too far like that in the past it's kind of true like why can't we have multiple versions of different characters in the big screen movie universe at the same time it's kind of more of a just a mindset thing you have to change about how you approach these movies as opposed to um i guess objectively whether it's a good or bad thing if that makes sense yeah no it makes sense and i agree um in the world of connection though moon knight producer um says that moon knight has no attachment to current mcu um, he okay. Says, he says he's brand new and it's a whole new adventure. Um, uh, this is producer Grant Curtis. He said one of the unique aspects of the character is taking Marvel Studios to back to its Iron Man Tony Stark roots. Um, that was a character that was obviously built from the ground up, and it's the same with Mark Spector. Now, here's what I'm going to say about that. There's no way this movie is not connected to the MCU. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to say that they're going to try and go back to the roots and kind of not start over, but build a character from scratch the way Iron Man was. So you're getting a true origin story out of this show that we're going to get. Um, but the reason I say it has to be connected is because they did already tell us that Sharon Carter is going to be in the show. And the <laughs> right. last time we saw Sharon Carter was in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And we're like, oh, when are we going to see her next? Because she was kind of like the little bad in the show, if you will. Or they're yeah. like, you know, you find out that she was there was some other stuff going on. And you're like, cool, when are we going to see her again? well, we're going to see her in this show. So you're already connecting it. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a weird sentence, but it's also nice to hear that it's going to be kind of an origin story at the same time. Anyway, Moon Knight starts real soon. I can't wait. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about, Um, and uh, I think this is the last piece of Marvel news. Nope. I got two pieces of Marvel news for us. Uh, a couple more. Um, Daredevil reboot is for Disney plus is reportedly set to begin production. Oh, well, uh, there you go. I don't know what the Daredevil reboot means. I just know that Charlie oh, Cox, yes. because he's still playing Matt Murdock, said that the way Daredevil ended on Netflix, there needs to be some kind of a readjustment to fit the current MCU. Um, but he's all for the changing of things. So it kind of goes, it flows properly. So you could still okay. watch Daredevil and have it segue into the MCU really nicely. And I I like that he said that. Um the it kind of makes me think of Thor Ragnarok being a reboot um, because what do you do with Thor? You cut his hair, you destroy the hammer, you completely strip him and then you deconstruct the character. And in my opinion, that movie made Thor way cooler than he already was. So um, you don't have to do that kind of extreme with Daredevil, but you see where I'm going with that. Yeah, so. kind of a soft, a soft reboot to just make sure yeah. everything flows correctly. Yeah. yeah. Um. I didn't tell you, and I forgot to tell you this, but the trailer for Miss Marvel dropped. Um, oh, the, man, I haven't watched it yet. I, gotta, I feel I bad. That that down. I, this, I'm kind of <laughs> literally I had it flagged for news, but it should have been the watching and reading category. It's all good. Um, the trailer looks cool. That's really all I can say about it, um, because it's a Disney Plus show. It's Miss Marvel. It's the next it's the next chapter of, you know, the Marvel MCU. So cool. Let's check it out. Um, I don't have any seg- pieces of note that I'm like, oh, yeah, like very specific things to point out that really caught my attention. It's just like, all right, cool. The next piece of Marvel. Let's do this. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Um, and then the other piece of Marvel news I got is um, we talked about Dakota Johnson is taking the lead as Madam Web in the Madam Web movie for the Spider-Verse on Sony. Um, Sydney Sweeney has joined uh, Dakota uh, Johnson um, as a co-star for that film. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, Sydney Sweeney's <laughs> from Euphoria. If you, yeah, Euphoria. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, White Lotus. So she's joining uh, the Madam Web cast. Um, I was like, oh, okay. This movie's kind of shaping up with some bigger names. Yeah, absolutely. Everything I've seen her in, um, she's been pretty good. But uh, that's uh, honestly Euphoria and maybe one or two like indie films. <laughs> I don't have too sure. much to say, but sounds good. <laughs> um, all right. Star Wars news. Let's talk about this. Okay. Here's what's interesting. There is a whole bunch of stuff floating around on the Internet right now. And I'm saying a lot of stuff floating around the internet. And I think all this has to do with uh, Hollywood Reporter. I think they're the ones that broke the story. Um, yes, Hollywood Reporter broke the story that Darth Maul was supposed to be in the Obi-Wan series. Ray Park was coming back to play Darth Maul for the Obi-Wan series yeah. and got scrapped because Dave Filoni felt it was better to have Vader come back. Okay. Um, okay. Here's what here's what I do know for fact. One, Dave Filoni fought to get Hayden Christensen back and to play Darth Vader for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. OK, we know that's for sure. And apparently he fought pretty hard going, no, 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 it has to be Vader. And it's Dave Filoni. So they're listening to him because he studied at the feet of George Lucas. Um, the they're saying that the initial plan was to see Darth Maul hunting for Luke Skywalker. Obi-Wan Kenobi serves for as protector, igniting. Uh, igniting concerns that this uh, trajectory was too similar to the relationship between the Mandalorian with Din Djarin and Baby Yoda, and that's why Darth Vader was brought in. Okay. I don't know if I buy this, and here's why I don't know if I buy this. Okay. If, you watch, yeah. if you watch Rebels, the animated series that Dave Filoni was involved in, um, Darth Maul finds Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine and Darth Maul dies on Tatooine by Obi-Wan's hand in that series. Mm -hmm. If they were to put Darth Maul in it, it would completely retcon that entire Rebels story arc that is integral to where it goes as that show progresses. And Rebels is very much canon. Right. Uh, the other reason I don't know if I buy this, this Darth Maul rumor is because Pablo Hildago, who is one of the heads of the story group at Lucasfilm said yesterday's report from the Hollywood Porter reporter was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so either Pablo Hidalgo is basically trying to shut that down and say, Darth Maul's really not in the show. Stop looking at it. And secretly Darth Maul's really in the show or Pablo Hidalgo is really saying, guys, it's bullshit. I don't know where this leak came from. Never a thing. Here we go. You're getting Darth Vader. <laughs> um, I would have loved to see Darth Maul again, Ray Park, Darth Maul again. But at the same time, um, I think it's awesome that we're getting Vader and that's important. And because of Darth Maul's death, we shouldn't. But they also said that we're getting a Kira show. Right. OK. And if you remember where Solo left off, Kira was heavily involved with Darth Maul. Right. Absolutely. Okay? So. If Ray Park's coming back and someone leaked that Ray Park was on studio or somehow that's that's how the whole thing happened, he could have been there filming the Kira show because we don't know much more about it than other than Emily Amelia Clark is coming back. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, I 
I think it's like, I think, well, first of all, everything you said about Darth Maul appearing in Obi-Wan, I agree with. And like, I think you're right on the money. And I think um, Dave Filoni is correct in that plot wise, it probably is better to have Darth Vader make an appearance as opposed to Darth Maul, just because of the emotional resonance and everything that that would have. And also like, I forgot they were doing a Kira show, but yeah, just thinking about her working with Darth Maul in that. And uh, it's almost one of those things where in the Kira show, it sounds like we have the potential to see even more Ray Park, Darth Maul than we would in the Obi-Wan series. So I'm actually super pumped for that. I completely, I don't know, just I completely forgot they were doing that show. And uh, no, it's just going to be awesome seeing, you know, Amelia Clark being a badass, Darth Maul being a badass. That uh, sounds like a really, really fun show to watch whenever it comes out. (laughs) I could be wrong. I just know that they were teamed up at the end of that movie. So absolutely. Um, Speaking of more Star Wars news, uh, Damon Lindelof, uh, known as a writer for Watchmen and for HBO's Watchmen and the show Lost, is apparently working on a Star Wars movie. Awesome. Um, This has not been confirmed by Lucasfilm. It's just apparent he's working on a Star Wars movie. Okay, then. So, um, cool, I guess. Um, (laughs) Let's hope something comes out of this, because there's been a lot of people working on Star Wars movies that never get made in the past. Here's the thing. I like Lindelof's writing up to a point. Um, this, this part of it where I'm like, God, it's so brilliant. And then he does something that you're just like, wait, really? What? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So let's see how this plans out. I'm kind of, I really like his writing up to a point. It's just kind of interesting how I take that. Wow. We have a lot of news and we've been kind of going for a while. Also, (laughs) um, Kevin Kiner, uh, let's see, hold on. This is the right. Yeah, okay, so Kevin Kiner, the uh, composer for The Clone Wars, Bad Batch, and Rebels, um, has is now talking about how there's a new Star Wars animated series confirmed and is in uh, the works over at Disney+. Plus. Um, he said, and I quote, You know we're working on a new project. It is an animated project. It's a Star Wars project, and that's all I can say. It's really freaking great. To the point where Lucasfilm and Disney are giving us full orchestras for every episode. It's a very special project. <laughs> Thanks. Some great, great people are involved, and we're really privileged to be part of that one. And I probably said too much already. <laughs> um, so awesome. Um, I'm down. <laughs> Look, I'm down. This is great news. Um, I don't know. No, what absolutely. Because I don't know much more than that. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Just great news. <laughs> um, all right. Here's a couple quick hits for us. Um, the next season of Harley Quinn on HBO Max, James Gunn will be making a cameo in the Harley Quinn show. It is animated, so that means it's James Gunn's voice. Um, the thing that made me laugh is that James Gunn will be playing himself. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the other news about the Harley Quinn show is apparently there's going to be a spinoff for the Harley Quinn show about the villain's bar. Now, if you watch the Harley Quinn cool. show on HBO Max, uh, there is a bar that they go to a lot, and they're going to do a spinoff on the built villain's bar, and it'll probably focus on the hijinks that happen there. Here's what I'll say. That sounds cool. But the real cool – I'm sorry, DC. I know you're listening, so just scoot a little closer to the mic. Um, the show you should be making if you're going to do a show about a bar is you have in your pantheon the Oblivion Bar, 
which is a bar that exists in a pocket dimension where all the magic users go when the big crises are going on. They either go there to hide or regroup or heal or whatever. That's the show. If you're going to do a show about a bar in the DC universe, just saying. Uh, the Oblivion <laughs> Bar, that's the show. Anyway. Right on. Anyway, uh, deep cut DC there. Um, okay. Um, Resident Evil television series on Netflix premieres yes. July premieres July 14th and they released a handful of posters which are really cool um oh yeah aside from getting your attention they just look cool uh they don't say a lot they don't have zombies or anything on them you're just going to look at it and go oh that's sick i kind of want to see the show just because of the posters <laughs> so <laughs> nice. Is uh is one of them the yellow poster? Yeah, yeah. They're okay, all yellow. yeah. They're it all does these, look pretty sweet. All these yellow, whatever they are. Yeah, uh, with, the blood, with the blood on them, with the blood vials and stuff. I mean, if you listen to our movie poster podcast episode, less is more a lot of times when it comes to getting your attention and making you want to watch a movie. So I agree, these look pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. Um. We do know that HBO Max and Discovery Plus are merging as one company because of the AT and T sale. That's yes. gonna, that's that's going to be finalized very soon now. If it hasn't already by the time of this recording, um, they have announced that HBO Max and Discovery Plus will merge into one streaming platform. Because right now they're two, they will merge into one platform. Um, I have a feeling that because Discovery, I don't, I doubt it's going to be Discovery Plus is going to be the name of it. It's probably going to stay HBO Max, um, just because it. I think it's a better name for the platform, and in terms of all encompassing, it'll probably be better. Um, but who knows? I don't have any say at that table. Um, yeah, it's. I feel like this whole merger has been kind of this looming mystery that I'm kind of getting annoyed with because I just want to yeah. know how everything's going to play out and uh, are they going to end up canceling series and stuff? I'm kind of getting worried about, but it's just, yeah, like I said, it's this looming anomaly that I'm kind of getting annoyed with <laughs> a little <Yeah>. bit. <laughs> um, I got one more news story for us, and then we can talk about the list. We are going long, but we had a lot of news, so what can you do? Um, and this is a make, and this is a merger story, too, and you're going to say, of course it is. Um, but this is a big one. Amazon has just bought MGM Studios for $8.5 billion. All right. Um, that's huge, and just so you have a better idea of what Amazon purchased, that means Amazon now owns the Vikings franchise, Legally Blonde, the Rocky franchise, the Fargo franchise, The Handmaid's Tale. The big one is that now they now own the James Bond franchise. Um, those are just some big hits from MGM. And then the one that I'm personally excited about, knowing that Amazon is purchasing this, is MGM also owns Stargate, which I'm a huge oh, Stargate fan. Amazon now owns Stargate. And in terms of like that show definitely could use maybe a reboot or some kind of a continuation series picking up where things left off real time. Or, you know what I mean? Like we could mm -hmm. totally use it right now. So I'm excited for the possibilities. This is a cool thing. Um, so, yeah, Amazon, uh, Amazon bought MGM. Sweet. Yeah. Anyway, More cool stuff to watch on Prime, basically. <laughs> I know. Right. I know. Um, all right, man. Are you ready to talk about tonight's list? Yeah, let's go for it. Sweet. All right, dude. Um, Ryan, do us a favor and roll the thing. Okay. Um. And now for the top five. 
Peter, this was your list. Yes. So why don't you explain to the audience what we're talking about tonight? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this list is our top five favorite end credit songs from uh, various films. And uh, I really was thinking about this list and I like the idea of the very end of a movie, that very last scene or line of dialogue, you know, that clincher is uh, delivered and then the screen goes to black and some song comes on to sort of punctuate the film that you've just watched. And I think it's a, when done well, it can be an amazing experience. And when done badly, it can be laughable. But I think it's a fun thing to talk about. Um, another aspect of this whole topic that I was really thinking a lot about is the, um, I don't know if this is super prevalent nowadays, but for a while, there was a lot of songs that were like, original songs made for specific movies and stuff like that. And I was thinking a lot about that aspect of the whole thing. And uh, a lot of my picks actually aren't original songs for movies, but I think it's a, it's definitely an interesting sort of thing to uh, touch on with a list like this. So I don't know if you have any thoughts about this, Drew, or where you kind of were at well, with this list. You know what I mean? We host an audio podcast. <laughs> And we can't play half the songs that we're going to talk about tonight. I have a feeling it's going to be quick hits because we're not reviewing a movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's more like you're reviewing a feeling like, yeah, that song was awesome. It was like the perfect punch to the end of the movie, you know? Um, Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we're going to be going through this list pretty quickly, to be honest. Um, I found this a little bit difficult because I started writing down a lot of stuff, making a short list. And then I realized we're talking about songs and for this list, I really felt that you were thinking that you needed it to be like songs with lyrics because. So that's we'll keep going. But because yes. I'm so in I am so into like the orchestral scores and stuff from film that I was like, this is going to be like started writing out all the stuff. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is the wrong way of approaching this list. Um, <laughs> so so sorry. my list is all songs with lyrics, but. We didn't address that last week. We didn't talk about what about, right. you know, orchestral scores and stuff. And if you did have a list full of those picks, that's an interesting thing to talk about, too. And it's kind of, in a way, maybe even focusing more on the art of making a film as opposed to like, oh, well, this song came up for the credits from this movie and it was really funny. But right. I, yeah, I, I didn't know if you had any orchestral picks like well, that or if it's all my, honor, my honorable mentions are orchestral picks. And then okay, the rest, cool. And the rest are all songs with lyrics because I was like, that's the wrong way of approaching it. This is how it should be approached. And then <laughs> I started piecing my list together. But I was like, honorable mentions are where we throw in. The, I'd talk about them if I could talk about them kind of thing. <laughs> so, right on, right on. Um, so I guess it's because this is my first pick. Um, I'll go first. And my first honorable mention, literally, I don't have a lot to say about this other than the fact that when that movie ends, you just want to hear that song one more time. And it's the perfect and it's like a perfect example is indiana jones all of them because you get to hear oh, them right when the credits roll and you're just like that's what i wanted and you're just, <laughs> you know <laughs> it's one of those um it's one of those things like you've heard this theme how many times throughout the movie but then the movie ends and it's still badass and still awesome and yeah gets you and it's like it. and it's like a full volume and you're just like yes <laughs> you know like <laughs> absolutely yeah. that's a really good call that's a really good pick all right, man, you have honorable mentions or no? Yeah, I have two. Okay. So um, my first one is one that I think works so well with the movie. And it's such a good song. What's that? 
I said, okay, go ahead. Okay, it, it works so well with the movie. It's such a good song. It pairs so well with the imagery at the end of the movie. But I kind of feel like this song has been overplayed into ad nauseum where it's Probably. kind of like way too cliche. And that's why it's just an honorable mention for me. And that's the movie uh, Where Is My Mind or the the song Where Is My Mind by the Pixies at the end of the movie Fight Club. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and like even when I was putting my list together, I was like, man, even the title of the song works with this movie and it's just all perfect. But the song's just been overplayed so in so many ways elsewhere that this has to just be an honorable mention, unfortunately. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I totally agree with you. And that's it's, it's like the perfect song to end that film with. <laughs> All right. So, again, orchestral piece. Once again, you just want to hear it one more time. And that's the Star Wars theme, um, because every Star Wars movie starts to go to black and you hear the did it, did it, did it. And then it just rolls. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. And I did. I did think of this one because it's like, how do you even top this theme for like an end credit song? But it's just. I yeah. did focus more on the uh, bands or singers performing uh, music like for said, movies as opposed to orchestras. That's where they land in the honorable mentions category. So, Absolutely. Uh-huh. All right, man. What's your next honorable mention? So my next honorable mention is uh, this is actually the song that I thought of that really inspired this list. But it's only an honorable mention because like all my lists, I decided to give myself crazy limitations with it. And this week, my limitations was it had to be the song that played right as the credits start, you know. And uh, this this song I thought was that, but it ended up not being that because I went with uh, Kiss from a Rose by Seal um, from nice. the Batman Forever soundtrack. And uh, in my head, when I think back on this movie, I feel like. The movie ends, you have that awesome shot of, uh, you know, that shot of the bat symbol facing the camera and you have Batman and Robin silhouettes running towards you. And then the screen goes black. And in my mind, this song played right away. But I actually rewatched this when preparing my list to make sure that's how it went. And it was actually uh, the song Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me by U2 plays right at the end credits. So what's the actual honorable mention? So the honorable mention is Kiss from a Rose. Okay. But that's because, because not, it plays because later on in the credits. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> but I do think I do think this song is really, really good. Um I wouldn't even I wouldn't say Seal is necessarily like my kind of music or I'm that big of a Seal fan, but I think this song is really good when it comes to just lyric lyrically as well as just like I think this is like kind of a timeless song. Like I think this is something people are going to be listening to forever, which is kind of cool to think about and uh, it's kind of cool that it's associated with a superhero movie as well. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree. I I <sighs> That's funny because that's the one that's like the one U2 song that I really like. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about that, too, because I'm not a U2, a U2 fan, but that's a pretty badass song. If right. I'm gonna be honest. That's the thing. When, when you hear a U2 come in conversation, there's always someone in the crowd that's like, man, I don't like Bono. I'm like, yeah, but that Batman Forever song. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. So my first real pick of the evening is um, from the movie Eight Mile, and it's a song Lose Yourself. Um such a fantastic. Hey. Okay, we match. We matched for this one. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you 
laughing at that. <laughs> I'm laughing because I didn't expect us to la- to match at all, but that's oh, okay. awesome. Yeah, no, I it it's just there's not much more to say about it because you hear it on the radio, you love it. The song's fantastic. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know if you have yeah, anything I, to add to that, but just yeah. I think um, Eight Mile as a movie. I don't know if it's critically considered good or bad, but I like it quite a bit. And I feel like this is the perfect song to end that movie with. But kind of what I was saying about Kiss from a Rose, I feel like this song has really stood the test of time. Uh, Lose Yourself Very by Eminem, because, I mean, he just performed this song at the Super Bowl. And, you know, this is a song that I think it's really lived on and it's pretty awesome. And there's no way you can disassociate this song from uh, the Eight Mile movie. So great pick. Yeah, that's uh, I obviously agree. So, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> right. So I guess it floats back to me then. Um, all right. So my next one is um, I'm pulling the movie Donnie Darko out of the closet. All right. Uh, the song is Mad World. Um, it's such a cool song to begin with. OK. And I even loved when they used Mad World for all the Gears of War advertisement when that video game came out. But um, after you're done watching that movie and you're trying to process And then that song plays during the end credits and you're just like, it's just, it's, it's literally the perfect song while your brain is trying to process what you just watched. Um, and I don't think they they literally couldn't have put a better song at the end of that movie. So, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And because of how much of a mind F, uh, Donnie Darko is, I think you almost need that sort of, you know, quiet, pensive song like Mad World. Uh, this is a song that actually totally made the shortlist for me. But in a lot of ways, this one's similar to uh, Where Is My Mind from Fight Club, where I just feel like in my personal life, this song has been overplayed so much that it just couldn't make my final list. Like, especially... I, <laughs> I, agree, gonna say? I agree that the song's been overplayed, but... This song was perfect for the film, and that's absolutely what I was kind of focused on. That's the thing when I was building my list. That's what I was focused on was it. There's a there's a semblance of like you, you know you're sitting there like what the hell did I just watch? And then they just roll the perfect song for you, and your your body just kind of relaxes a little bit. You can process like you know what I mean. Like this. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. No, yeah. I, I agree with that. I think um, I guess what I'm saying is it's more of a personal thing for me. It's at no. Um, no criticism of the use of that song in the movie. Like you said, it is really perfect. I think I just had too many days after that Gears of War trailer came out. And sure. uh, it was one of those things that anytime I was in like a different friend's car, they were always listening to that song for like, you know, six months straight. Yeah. <laughs> it just got like, it just got a bit uh, tedious to me, but no, it definitely is a great pick. So I'm not, uh, I'm not arguing against that at yeah. all. So it's all good. All right. Uh, what's your next one? Yeah. So my next one, um, I was actually going to say this one first, and this is going to make me sound like an Eminem super fan. But I actually went with Venom by Eminem from the Venom soundtrack. And uh, this is one that this is a newer pick than most other songs. But when I was really thinking of it, I was like, that's one of the last great like original soundtrack songs that's came out that uh and I, I think it's interesting thinking about how Lose Yourself, how, how I was saying it really left a mark on the culture. And I really feel like this Venom song has left a mark on our culture as well. Like when I think of how many TikTokers are using this song in the background of their video and stuff like that, like 
this is a good song. I think it works perfectly with the movie. I think it's super catchy. Um, I saw Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, and I don't even remember what the credit song was. But, man, the chorus of this, of the first Venom song, like, that's been going through my head since I've seen the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? So sure. I don't have too much else to say. I didn't really mean to pick so many Eminem songs, but it just kind oh. of happened that way. Dude, you know? <laughs> dude I love Eminem's great. I have, I have, I think, almost... I think I have every one of his albums, to be completely honest. Nice. Um, so I totally hear you with the Eminem. Um, and you're right, Venom, the Venom song is probably one of the last movie songs to be made because a lot of time, because there was a point in time where, like, the soundtrack, people were writing songs to be put in movies. And then, you know, you have James Gunn, who's, like, picking great songs to put in movies you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, for example, and yes. then Venom comes along and it's like, well, here we go. We're going to write a song for the movie. You know what I mean? It's yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what's the next one I should do here. Um, I did that one. I did that one. Um, why not? OK, um, I'm going to go with the song, I believe. Um, from the movie High Fidelity, the actual full title of the song is "I Believe oh, I Fall in Love" by Stevie. Right. Um, it's that's the end song. That's first off, the song's phenomenal, but it that's another one you, just in terms of process. Like when you get to the end of that specific story, that's the song you get, and you're just like, yeah, absolutely, this would be the song, and it makes you feel good too. And you're just like, God, this song's amazing, and it's a fantastic song. But yeah, so. I believe when I fall in love by Stevie Wonder from the movie High Fidelity. So, yeah, this is another one that uh, I think it's a perfect pick. I think this works perfectly with the end of the film. It matches the tone of the film and the tone that the film was trying to really leave you with. And uh, yeah, this is just a great pick all around for a second. I thought you were going to say, I believe I can fly from the space jam movie, soundtrack, <laughs> which uh, I wouldn't fault you for at all. I was just going to laugh. Like I, I wasn't expecting a space jam pick, but no, yeah, no, yeah. this is uh, definitely a good pick. So sure. All right, man. What, what do you got? Yeah. So my next one, like I said, and, I figured we were going to be going through this list fast because of what it was, but anyway, yeah. Um, the next one, uh, I'm glad you brought up using songs from other movie soundtracks. Cause I do have a couple coming up that or sorry, I've, I've kind of phrased that weird using previous songs from like previous generations and stuff for current movies, because my next couple picks actually do follow that sort of setup because for my next pick, I actually went with Iron Man by Black Sabbath at the end of the original Iron Man <laughs> film. And this one, it just felt too, it felt a little bit too on the nose when I was putting my list together. Like this is the most obvious pick to end an Iron Man movie with. But when you watch the movie and how they play the uh, the weird voice at the beginning of the song behind Tony Stark saying, I am Iron Man, and then it just right. leads straight into the song. It just works so well. And it's like, yes, this is the most obvious pick, but it also just fits the movie so well. And it fits uh, Tony Stark's character and kind of how, you know, the whole movie he was listening to, like, ACDC and other like classic rock bands and it just fits in with that too and I just thought this was it's so obvious but it's so perfect too that I just had to go with this one nice um yeah I forgot about uh you know what's funny is I forgot that the this the uh the end credit song to Iron Man was Iron Man so <laughs> yeah, absolutely 
sometimes it's just staring you right in the face and you're like, of course that's the song it is. Absolutely. Um, it does not change my list though. Um, I'm going to give you a song that's going to really like make you surprised. I'm going to actually, how about this? I'm going to pull out a movie that you're not going to expect me to say. Okay. Um, I'm a big Linkin Park fan. Okay. Um, I've always really enjoyed Linkin Park. Um, and I know people like, they really liked their early albums like Hybrid Theory and Reanimation. But then when they got into the other ones, they didn't like them because they felt they were becoming a little emo. One of the things I liked about Linkin Park is that they always they seem to experiment and they try out different genres of music and bounce around and stuff. And I really yeah. admire that um, because I feel like every album they've released has never each one's been new and fresh, even if they do do a little bit slower, like kind of emo stuff. But then they go back to the hard rocks. You know what I mean? So anyway, so yeah, big, I, I'm a big Linkin Park fan. Um, and I know you pr you're probably thinking, oh, he's going with Transformers. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. And then you're like, well, maybe he's going with Transformers, too. Again, no, I'm not. <laughs> and then you're thinking to yourself, maybe Drew is going with Transformers 3. Once again, no, I'm not. I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually pulling out of the closet the movie Dracula 2000 and the song from <laughs> nice. Linkin Park, I'm About to Break, from Hybrid Theory. Oh, um, awesome. That... After watching, <laughs> after watching Dracula 2000, a movie that was meh, it was okay, it was fun, it is what it is, you couldn't have ended it on a better song. And you're just like, <laughs> God, that was just a cool, like, moment. Like, yeah, the movie's over, but you're just like, yes! Like, <laughs> when the yeah. song starts playing, you know? Um, yeah, so I'm about to break from Lincoln Park from the movie Dracula 2000. That's awesome. I don't know if I've even seen this movie, so I didn't know this was the end credits song, but that's really badass. And I think this is uh, this opens up a whole other category, but there was like this cool tradition. <laughs> You're like, for I got a, while a that... list idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just something to comment on is for a while there was this whole like tradition of like every horror movie had to have like some badass like metal song at the end and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and I yeah. think. This definitely fits into that, and that was kind of a fun little era in the, I don't know, early 2000s or whatever it was that I kind of wish was still prevalent, but it is what it is. But uh, it's funny, definitely was, a great pick. There's no bonus scene at the end of Dracula 2000, but I waited for the end of that song to be over. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. <laughs> um, all right, man, what's your pick? You yeah, so my next pick is one that uh, I'm hoping you forgot about because it's going to make me laugh or it's going to make you laugh. And uh, this is one that I think it's just because I watched this movie recently, but it, it's just too good. It had to make my list. And that is the song Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue. But in the movie, it's actually performed by Motley Lou because it's at the end of the hot tub time machine. <laughs> Do you remember this at all? Um, I don't remember this at all. Like, I just don't okay. remember what's... I just, honestly, when I got to the end of Tots of Time Machine, I'm like, God, that movie was good. was not paying attention to the credits so, one bit. So, in, in the movie, you have the character Lou, who's kind of the... Um, yeah. The guy who's kind of an alcoholic and kind of the screw-up and stuff. And he's the one character who chooses to stay back in time. Like, he yep. chooses to stay in the 80s and relive his whole life. And... Uh, by the time the rest of the characters get to the future, everything's completely different because Lou basically used his knowledge of future events to totally change everything. Um, all the characters in the movie like are living in mansions like they all have awesome lives. And uh, he's basically just really enriched himself like 
there's no such thing as Google in this alternate timeline. It's, you know, now it's Lugal and stuff. Yeah. And Lou is just so... this... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Lou is just this super rich guy. And uh, there's a moment at the end where all the characters are kind of meeting up and they're just eating dinner like they're having a barbecue or something. And they're talking to Lou about the different business ventures he's enjoyed. And he mentions like... Yeah, you know, my real passion is music, but, you know, the band hasn't toured for a while. And somebody's like, band? What band were you in? And then it cuts straight to the Home Sweet Home Motley Crue video. <laughs> but yeah. Lou is basically just spliced in in the place of Vince Neil throughout the whole video. And that's what the credits come to. Yeah. And it's just such a good, such a good random joke to put at the end of the movie. But it works perfectly. And uh like I said, I watched this movie recently, and let me tell you, that song was stuck in my head for, like, a week straight afterwards. <laughs> I was like, man, I can't get this song out of my head. So I just thought this one was pretty funny. I was hoping you would would have remembered it. But, yeah, it's just a great joke at the end of the movie. No, I totally hear you. And you know what's funny about that is that that specific, um, that specific movie, um, when you get to the end of it um, – the uh and yeah i i just don't remember what song it was because i was kind of like focused on all the stuff that was in the credits <laughs> kind of like yeah all the credit stuff. i love because they even warn him like don't use your knowledge of the future to exploit the past like they always yep. they warn him and stuff because he gets stuck in the past <laughs> and he has to relive everything i constantly make reference to needing to log into Google maps oh there's <laughs> to, to get directions <laughs> No one ever gets the joke and they all just look at me weird and I'm like, okay, fine. You <laughs> that's that's an awesome reference. But yeah, it's a shame that uh, people don't remember that. So I do it all the time. I'm like, yeah, we'll just have to get some Google Maps or something. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely. So and I'm like, that's such a great like, yeah, it's just perfect to like add that in. Anyway, um, I do that a lot and no one ever gets it. I just get weird looks I'm like whatever. Um. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, my last pick of the night? Yes. Okay, so my last pick of the night, um, I absolutely – look, here's the thing. Um, if you went to the theater, if you remember going to the theater, if you're old enough to have gone to the theater and seen this movie in the theater, you had probably one of the greatest times in a theater ever in your life. You watched one of the greatest movies you had probably ever seen in a movie theater, one of the best – movie theater experiences and they ended with such a phenomenal song that you're just like yes this is the greatest goddamn movie i've ever seen ever and the song is wake up by rage against the machine at the end of the matrix oh right yeah good call. yeah yeah <laughs> holy crap you're literally like you're literally at the edge of your seat like this is the greatest movie and then they play rage against the machine and you're like yes they're playing rage against the machine <laughs> you know like <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah i absolutely love the song wake up by rage against the machine so yeah that's my final pick of the night <laughs> yeah I, I feel like the mate the whole matrix soundtrack is just really good and i feel like it's it's in one way it's of its time but it kind of is timeless too because all the songs um whether they're heavy or they're more techno based do really fit with that sort of cyberpunk uh, attitude yeah. and feel and stuff, but yeah, this That's is a, definitely a great call. <laughs> and in terms of the in terms of the meta, looking at it, he's rebelling against the machines, and the song is by the band Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just it's meta, and he's trying to get everyone 
unhooked from the machines and the song is called wake up you know yeah. there's a lot to unpack there if you will anyway <laughs> no that's your, that's actually some really cool things to point out <laughs> yeah what's your final pick for the night my final pick is another one that I'm hoping you forgot about because I think it's going to make well, you laugh. Well, I, I had to have forgotten about it because <laughs> my list is done. <laughs> but uh, I went with the song at the end of the movie Death Proof in the movie Grindhouse, um, which is wow. the song is called the song is called Chick Habit and it's performed by April March. And uh, Drew, do you remember how this movie ends? Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, well, so you essentially have um, Kurt Russell, who plays kind of this murderous psychopath who drives like a badass car and kind of goes around killing people, you know, and he gets involved in this huge pursuit of this uh, group of I think it's three or four girls who, um, you know, he's kind of chasing around at the end of the movie and it ends up it all like it's like this huge chase, like. I feel like two thirds of the movie is just the girls and Kurt Russell chasing each other around. And it eventually gets to the point where the group of girls have him cornered at the very end. Spoilers. Sorry. Spoiler warnings for death proof. But they have him cornered and the movie literally just ends with them kicking, <laughs> kicking his ass. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like they get him cornered and then one of the girls kicks him in the face and then this song starts playing and then spliced in and out of the credits is just more shots of Kurt Russell's character getting beat up. And it is so funny. And the song, I don't know how to describe it. It's I don't know when this song came out, but it sounds like this sort of upbeat, like 60s pop song. I feel like it might be that, but it might be something newer. I'm not super familiar with the artist, but, you know, it's Quentin Tarantino. You know, it's like a random old just obscure song that he hunted down but it just <laughs> the tone of it is just such a like i don't know it fits the movie so well because it's just like yeah i'm gonna watch these girls kick some ass and this music is both hilarious but it's really catchy and really fun and it was just so so perfect to end the movie with and it's just so funny and uh this is one of the first uh songs i thought of as well was this example so drew i don't know if you have any thoughts on this but this is just like when you watch Death Proof, it's like a perfect ending to that film. You know what I mean? It is a perfect ending. And I forgot about it in the sense of like Death Proof did not stick out to me when I was like making this list. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, dude, such a cool song to end that movie with. Um, <laughs> now I want to go watch Death Proof again. Actually, I'd love to I'd love to watch the Grindhouse movies again back to back, like in one sitting, because like the way they were meant to be watched, you know, but. Yeah. absolutely um actually it'd be cool if they did another grouping of grindhouse films but like another like a grindhouse 2 or something like that and you get two I, films, but. I always thought that too i always wanted to see them do another grindhouse but use different directors you know like maybe this time it'll be eli roth and rob zombie or something like that you know i always wanted to see that happen but it it just wasn't yeah. in the cards, at least so far. So Just for the sake of the spreadsheet, so I can type, because I was kind of listening to you talk, what is the name of the song again? Oh, yeah, so the song is called Chick Habit, yeah. and it's by April March, which is a pretty funny, I don't know if that's a singer's name or the band's name, but it's a pretty clever uh, name as well. <laughs> yeah, I Usually I type while you're talking, but I was kind of just listening <laughs> to you talk. So. <laughs> right on. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Well, that kind of brings us to the end of this list. Um, do you want to know what we're going to do next week? 
Yeah, what are we doing? So I scoured our list of lists to see if we've actually talked about this because I was gonna, I wanted to go a video game route, but then I'm like, crap, we've done a couple, couple video game things. Um, I find myself, um, I was reading this really cool article about how video games are the future of storytelling. And um, I really, and I definitely feel like I'm in the category that kind of believes that in terms of like media and storytelling. So what I was thinking would be really fun is five video games that you were very invested into the story and you love it specifically because of the story. We're not talking about characters or environments or like gameplay. You were fully invested into the story and that's what made you play it or that's what kept you going and whatnot. So, uh, right on. Yeah. So that's what we're going to go with. So video games because of story, I guess is the best way of wording it. So awesome. um, So if you're all into the Mario brothers story, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so anyway, that kind of brings us to the end, man. Um, do you have anything to add before we close this out, throw this one in the can? Um, no. Yeah, we, we did it. We did another list. <laughs> we did another list. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, do us a favor and uh, check out our epi- uh, our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Um, you can hit us up there, social media, either way works. We are on Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre. And that's where I'll be asking, you ever drink Baileys from a shoe? (laughs) um all right well (laughs) the top five report i'm drew i'm peter and have a great rest of your uh st patrick's day everybody um and drive safe we'll see you next week (laughs) (laughs) 